I'm Sherry Greco-Rikus, co-founder of Rappaport Rikus Capital Management. Welcome to the Maximize Your Return on Life podcast. As an investment advisor, I guide clients to reflect upon their core values as they make major life decisions. I will be interviewing real people with real stories who have embraced this approach to achieve success. I hope their stories will inspire you to maximize your return on life. Today, we're going to help you maximize your return on life with a special guest, the sleep ambassador, Nancy Rothstein. Who doesn't want to sleep better? And you're going to learn a lot from Nancy today. Nancy is on a quest to help people live life fully 24-7 by guiding them to rise in the morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, and the morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. She is a globally recognized sleep expert. She has a course on LinkedIn called Sleep is Your Superpower. She's also authored two books, My Daddy Snores was her first book that has sold over a half a million copies. And her new book, which we're going to talk about today, Rising in the Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, Ways to Celebrate Life. So today we're going to hear how Nancy became the sleep ambassador, why sleep is so important for all of us. She's also developed her ROI of sleep. I love that because that kind of ties into the ROI of investing and ROI of life. Tips to get a better sleep. And you might want to have some pen and paper ready because these tips are phenomenal. And I've been using some of them. And why she wrote her book, Rising in the Morning, Ways to Celebrate Life. So, Nancy... Welcome, and we'd love to hear your journey to becoming the sleep ambassador. And we will be giving all the links to our website, everything we talk about on our website. So, Nancy, tell us your story. You know, sometimes there are segues from things, and it just all sort of fits. And when you said her first book was My Daddy Snores, which is a scholastic children's book, which actually shows how big a problem sleep and snoring are because it sold over 525,000 copies. Now, people aren't buying it just because it's cute. They're buying it because somebody's snoring and people aren't getting enough sleep. But there's a story behind the snoring. In fact, on my website, it actually says my snorry as opposed to my story. But my background, Sherry, so akin to yours and why I write things about sleep, like the ROI of a good night's sleep, is my background was finance. I managed money. I wrote the first sort of treatise on hedging interest rate risk for the business world. That's actually my first book. It's called The Handbook of Financial Futures, out of print, everyone. But I still can't believe I ever did that. What really the segue is, I was in my office and managing money. And I've got this book, The Handbook of Financial Futures, and I consulted all over the world for First Chicago on that. And then I had a snoring spouse. And I thought, wow, other people can do this money management thing really well, but nobody's doing anything in the corporate world about sleep. And how you sleep at home directly impacts how you, well, function in life, but certainly 
how you function at work. This is a long time ago. I started this whole sleep thing like 16, 17 years ago. So I took all my skills in financial risk management and looked at sleep as a risk management issue and started consulting to my first two clients were P&G and Hyatt, corporate clients. And now I'm LinkedIn's resident sleep expert. I have my course on LinkedIn learning. I give speeches from Deloitte to Peloton to banks to investment banks. I gave a lecture to uh, during the pandemic to a law firm. <laughs> the title of the lecture was If Sleep Were a Law. Oh, that's funny. That was funny. So how did you learn about all these sleep techniques? Well, it's a funny thing because just like you learned about finance or anybody on here listening, whatever your profession is that you became an expert in, that you learned about, that you devoted time to. And I'm recognizing that sleep was an issue. I started out looking at it from a business perspective. Like, okay, well-rested employees, an asset. Sleep is an asset for you to maximize your return on life. And I just used that whole language that I was so used to, to convey to people that sleep was essential to function. And it just grew. It, I will tell you, it took probably... Oh, a long time for the sleep community, the researchers at Harvard and Northwestern and Stanford and to respect what I was doing because I was taking, they were in their ivory towers and doing extraordinary work and, you know, more and more with the media today for sure. But I was this ambassador who was bridging all this data and information into the hands of the public and, and every employee at every company is a member of the public. So it was, it was just a journey up that I became passionate about because whether you have no high school degree or two PhDs, you probably never had a course on sleep, which is why I developed a, a sleep course, which it was first used at P&G and Henry Ford Health System and other companies called Sleep Well, Live Well, which soon, like next month or so, will be available for the first time to the public. It's a four-week sleep improvement program. Because guess what? I love that you use some of my habits. And believe me, like not if one of them's not looking at the clock during the night, tuning out from technology before you go to bed, you don't change poor sleep habits overnight sustainably. It's a process. It's about learning new habits, instilling them, and empower, because no one can sleep for you but you. So it's about empowering yourself to get your best sleep. I could go on, but I will say one thing. The best sleep technology is inside of you. You were designed to sleep and you are the app. You may be using apps for your sleep or calm or stress and all, and that can be great, but you're the app. So you want to do the basics to align with and maximize your design to sleep. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, Nancy. And it's funny every night or every morning when my husband and I wake up, we look at each other. And the first thing we said is, oh, how did you sleep? And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. But I want to be able to wake up every morning and say I had a great night's sleep. So, Nancy, can you tell our listeners um, some of the tips that you I know we're not going to go through your four week course today, but maybe in a few minutes, uh, some of the highlights and some of the top tips that you think really 
get the biggest bang for their buck. Sure. And by the way, whether you take a course or not, the sleep is your superpower on LinkedIn learning is a half an hour. And I just answered a, a user's question today about does our sleep change as we age? And there's just, there's so much to that, but there's so many tenets to it. But what can I tell you, the listeners, what can I tell all of you that maybe is going to resonate for you and that you could actually see a difference in a few days? You know, it's hard to change habits. It's hard to make these shifts for some people, but look at it as an experiment. Now, better yet, look at it as an investment. And this is a free one, Nancy. So, you know, there's a lot of investments you have to pay for, but this one, I think you will get a great return. So yeah. continue. I I, I want to hear you tell our listeners because I think they're all probably waiting right now. So probably one of them is not to look at the clock if you awaken during the night. Why? And everybody does. First of all, if you look at your phone, let's talk about moving that. But if you look at your phone next to your bed, and you see a text, you tell me if you're going to resist looking to see who it's from. So just looking at the time, even on your clock, if you have a clock, which is a great thing to have next to your bedside, not bright or not where you see a bunch of, you know, digital numbers in any, if it was, turn it around. But that light is impacting your release of melatonin. And you're also stimulating your brain. If you look at the clock and you see it's, you know, 3.20 a.m., your brain's off to the races. You're counting how much more sleep you have. And usually if it's before three, people think, oh, I have four hours more sleep. And if it's after three and they sleep till seven, I'm never going to function tomorrow. And now your, your brain's doing what it wants to do, which is work, not what it needed to do, which is work during sleep. You have a whole cleansing system in your brain called your lymphatic system which flushes toxins. And when you don't get a, a enough deep sleep, especially over time, your brain becomes like a dirty kitchen. So back to tips. Don't look at the clock just for a week and then two weeks and hopefully indefinitely get your phone away from your bed. If you need it to ring through for like the in case of emergency thing, or you can have somebody ring through in the family that's elderly or ill or whatever, or a child, then just still put it where you can't reach it. And then you free your mind from time. So that's number one. Number two, again, an experiment. For the first week, do a half an hour, then move to an hour. Put your phone and all your electronics and turn off your TV a half an hour and then an hour before bed. Why? It's all stimulating to your brain. And your brain just wants to relax. It wants to do what it was designed to do. Before we had all this light, our circadian clock operated on when it was light and when it was dark. Now, years ago, decades ago, century ago, we brought day into night. And it's totally screwing up our circadian rhythm, our body clock. So see what happens after a couple of weeks of tuning out from technology. Then I get the question, well, what am I going to do for an hour? You might have a conversation with your partner. You might have a conversation with your kids. You might read a book, an actual book versus on a, on a, a, a laptop or on an app or on a Kindle or an iPad. Even if you've got it back, you know, you've got the light dimmed down and all that, 
Try a physical something to read as an experiment. See if it works for you. Dim light. You don't want bright fluorescent lights. And so you want to just set the stage just as you prepare to eat, you prepare for a meeting, you prepare to make an investment, you want to prepare for sleep. So use that hour as a time to prepare for sleep, such as the reading. I said some, maybe some minor stretching if you happen to be stiff. And taking a shower or a bath is a wonderful way to calm the mind and body. And you're raising the temperature a little bit, which is going to drop for sleep. So you're setting the stage to transition to sleep in peace. Yeah, I actually, um, after I heard you talk, I started doing the shower and it really does kind of calm the body and and sleep. So what happens if you do get up in the middle of the night? What What should you do to try to get back to sleep? I'm going to go to that in just a second, but I want to add something to the shower. I'm so happy you said that, or a bath for that matter. You've got a lot on your mind. Your mind's racing. You're in the shower. You're thinking of what you have to do. Mindfulness 101 is while you're in the shower. All you do is feel the water on different parts of your body. Take your mind away from all your thoughts and good or bad. And you just, that's mindfulness. And so while you're in the shower or you're, you know, you're using soap or loofah, whatever you're doing or in the bath, just use it as a time to focus. Give your body that attention. Feel your day washing away, whether, again, whether good or bad. Now, so I had to add that because it's a good use of your time. That's what right, you ought to be right. talking your book about, investing in your time. There is a perfect example. And when you're going to invest in your time and your sleep, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you wake up in the middle of the night and say, I can't go back to sleep? Well, one, did you look at the clock? And did you look at a couple of texts? Or did you, you know, start watching, listening to some podcast or playing words with well, friends? I think they or are, Wordle? if it's okay if they're listening you know, to my what, podcast, but go on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great. You know what? It's a, it could be a great lullaby. But just don't have that phone on and the, everything in your ears right. just before bed. You know, use Sherry's podcast as a lullaby. But the other thing is that if you awaken during the night, as I said over and over, don't look at the clock. But if you're if you're fine that you're tossing and turning and you didn't look at the clock, but you know it's been a while and you're really frustrated, get up, walk around the house a little bit. Don't go to, don't go turning any devices on. Maybe if you don't have a bed partner that it's going to disturb, you know, go back to reading a book for a little bit, just not too enticing. So in another hour or two, you're still reading because you got the second wind, but just there are different body awareness techniques you can use, like focusing on starting at the bottom, starting at your feet and feeling each part of your body to get yourself out of your brain into your body. And the interesting thing to note about that, which is really very Ayurvedic, which is the oldest medical medicine system in the world, health system, like 5,000 plus years, your body is always in the present. Your body is not in the past, not in the future. Your mind, however, is frequently in the past or the future and not particularly present which is where everything happens in your life. 
So by being focused on your body or your breath for that matter, you bring your mind into the present. So that's why I'm suggesting that's sort of the science behind why, why would you do this focus on different parts of your body? Because you're getting, you're getting, you're present. If you're laying in bed and you're thinking, oh, feet, I'm so grateful for all you did. You need, I, I respect you need more rest. You're wonderful. Now you've aligned your, your present with your body and your mind. And then, you know, or just go to your heart. When is the last time most of us, if any of us, thanked our heart for its beat? Because unlike your feet, which get to rest, there's stuff going on during the night, obviously, but your heart never skips a beat, never rests. But it may not be running a triathlon like Sherry did, or it may not be out, you know, jogging, but but it's resting, but it's busy. So thank it. Oh my, just put your hands on your heart and take yourself away from all the chatter in your brain and and go to gratitude in different parts of your body. So it's about becoming present and getting out of the past, the future, and all the chatter in your brain. And and I can't help myself because, you know, I'm a financial advisor and we often do these financial plans where we call it a roadmap, a roadmap for success. And I think Nancy just laid out this roadmap for successful sleeping and everyone will have a different habit, but if you can, I know it was hard. It was hard for me, but just put the phone away. I was, you know, I always like to look at the news before bed, maybe scroll through Facebook, but your mind is busy. The shower really helped me and not looking at the clock because I am a number person and I went both ways. I've slept four hours. I've got three hours left. So um, those are some really good tips. And again, on the website, we'll have a lot more tips. But Nancy, what happens if you don't sleep well? What what happens to employees? Mm. What happens to people? Um, what are some of the side effects of not having a good night's sleep? Well, it depends if it's one or two nights or it's chronic and chronic. You're going to be grumpy. You're not going to be clear and focused. You're de- I mean, this is all research-based. Your decision-making abilities, your judgment, your reaction time, whether it's in a meeting or on the road, you should never drive drowsy ever, ever, never, because the only way to deal with drowsiness on the road is you're going to fall asleep. And slapping your face, and we've all done it, is, is not really going to do what your body is asking and your brain, for that matter, to do. So... You want to, um, when you, first of all, when you get a poor night's sleep, be gentle to yourself. It's a life. You know, there's ups and downs. There's going to be days we don't sleep. I've had sleepless nights and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm horizontal. I'm sleep. Why am I not sleeping? This is absurd. And you just have to just, just check it off to this was a bad night. So after a bad night's sleep, if you have to drive, If you're really drowsy, you just don't. You find another way around it. And if you have a really important meeting, you're going to go to the meeting. You're going to do what you need. Maybe you need a little more caffeine than usual. Maybe you need a power nap during the day where it's under a half an hour. We all have taken naps where we awaken groggier than we started. Why is that? Because you've entered a sleep cycle. So keep naps unless you're pregnant or ill or have to drive or it's just you need to catch up. You know, sometimes you do keep your naps under half an hour. 
But even a 10 minute power nap at your desk in your office or at home, not in bed, is enough to give you a burst of alertness and a burst of energy. But again, you're going to have those nights. But if you're having them a lot, you need to examine why. For example, if you have great sleep habits and you took sleep as your superpower, sleep well, live well, and you're still you're still just not sleeping well. You have these great sleep habits. And she told me to get my phone out of the room and I did, but I, st- ah, maybe you have a sleep disorder. Maybe you need to see a sleep specialist. Are you snoring? Do you gasp for air during the night? Do you wake up with a dry mouth because you're a mouth breather instead of a nasal breather? Why is that? You're not oxygenating all your cells properly. So you may need to do some sleuthing. And believe me, a sleep disorder is a, is not is is dealable. You can deal with it. I have mild sleep apnea, and nobody's seeing me, but I'm I'm thin. It's not from it's not a weight issue or anything. It's a it's an anatomical issue where your airway gets compromised in some way, and so you have sleep apnea, which means you stop breathing, hopefully not too much, and you need to jut the jaw forward and op- or open the nasal air passage and the and the airway in your throat with a possibly you need a CPAP machine, which I'm sure pretty much everybody here is here. I've, I wear an oral appliance. Mine's so mild, I'm not sure I need it. But sleep is paramount to me and respected. So I'm going to do all I can to ensure that I get a good night's sleep. But back to the question, Sherry, after a poor night's sleep, ask yourself why? Was it because you had two glasses of wine close to bedtime, which knocked you out and you went right to sleep? But you think, you know, every time I have wine near bedtime, I realize the next day I didn't sleep well because it plays havoc with your sleep cycles. Or maybe you had too much caffeine or it was hidden in something you ate. So just when you have those poor nights of sleep, if you don't know why, then think about why so that you can make adjustments to optimize, you know, the, the nights to come. That, that's great advice, Nancy. So if I could paraphrase, you know, don't be too hard on yourself because you might get yourself in this cycle where you're anticipating that you're not going to sleep. Uh, use some of the tips that Nancy mentioned, but if it's really a problem for you, investigate it, talk to your doctors because you want to nip this in the butt. You want a good night's sleep and there's a lot of resources that can help you. You know, that's so true, Sherry. And one thing to keep in mind, everyone, is you can go to your primary care physician and many of them are have gotten themselves first in sleep, but in medical school, they were not. If you had a, a broken hand or a broken wrist, you, you might go to your primary care, but you'd go to an orthopedist. So if you have sleep that's not working well and your your sleep is compromised and you're not having success in improving it, then see a sleep specialist because they are trained in sleep and they are going to be able to sleuth through and evaluate what the issue may be. That's that's great advice, Nancy. So I would like to shift a little bit to your new book, Rising in the Morning, Ways to Celebrate. So can you tell us a little bit why you wrote this book and what you hope to accomplish with it? So the ultimate irony is that it didn't occur to me at the time, but but it became that I sort of help people rise in the morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, 
and in this book, hoping to help people rise in the morning. And when you look at, you know, maximize your return on life, life has its ups and downs, be they financial, be they experiential, be they loss of a job, of a, a family member, of a way of life, of your mobility. There's just so many. So the book was born of a death. And by the way, the minute you, you're born, you're headed towards that end. And it's very hard in Western culture to talk about it. But the book was born of a death. But the book is really, at its essence, all about embracing life while you have the gifts of a heartbeat and breath. And so it's my journey and in a way, my son's. He was 15 and a half years old, and he was a sophomore at Lake Forest Academy outside of Chicago. And he was struck by a car. And nobody could put Humpty Dumpty together again. He looked beautiful in the hospital, but the brain trauma and all was too much. And so he passed the next day. And as someone who came into that experience with 30 years of meditation practice, TM and Deepak Chopra's primordial sound to be exact. And he's actually on the cover because when I, my ex and I saw him the month after Josh died, he called the accident, which really was a conspiracy of improbabilities. You know, five seconds here, five degrees there of where he was walking or the car or the this or the that. And it was just such an eloquent, gorgeous way to describe it. There's lots of conspiracies of improbabilities in life. There's so many improbabilities in life, but it's not so much what happens to you. It's what, what can you do about it? What are your tools? And in order to maximize my return on life, I was graced with a perspective that we are spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having a spiritual experience. And I was able to immerse myself and take what I already came to the experience with in a practice of gratitude and recognizing that Josh wasn't lost. He was just in a different realm. And by the grace and, and study and people, spiritual leaders and rabbis and other luminaries whom I could look to their guidance and, and truthfully, my own self, in my own heart, and recognize that I could find light in the darkness. And I talk about that in the book. And I shattered the fear of death. Josh had severe food allergies. He survived seven anaphylactic reactions. And then he gets hit by a car. Are you kidding me? Talk about a conspiracy of improbabilities. But as one woman whose son had severe, even worse food allergies than Josh had said, at least you know he's safe now which only someone else's right, child right. could say to me. And if this book had come out, it was 20 years last month. And so, oh my God, took you 20. It didn't take me 20 years. I finished it oh, a decade ago, but my agent passed away, ironically, then another agent got ill. It wasn't its time. But to come out in this stage of grief and loss, I mean, uh, David Brooks at the New York Times just wrote an editorial last week, an op-ed piece on global sadness. Anderson Cooper has a podcast called All There Is. It's wonderful about grief and loss. I mean, we sort of forget like over a million people alone in this country died of COVID. And so whether it's actually there or festering or your, your life is really good and you just have been able to rise above and beyond and just 
envelop your life with great with joy. That's there's no reason anybody, even in the midst of loss, can't find some joy. And that became my mantra. I want to live until I die. I don't want to live as if I'm dead. And obviously, people who are in grief and mourning and having trouble are having sleep issues. So there is a poetry in that. Not everybody who has sleep issues has, you know, is is mourning. But anybody can read this book. I mean, we all want to feel more joy in our lives. We, you know, because you know that money's great. It facilitates a lot. But plenty of very wealthy people are pretty miserable. Right, right. When we were planning for this, we talked about gratitude. And that's just, you know, just to find gratitude in the small things, even that you can see and look outside and see a tree or see a leaf that's changed color or drink a, a cold glass of water and just feeling it, taking the time to feel it go down that you even have clean water and not to be Pollyannish about it, but it's a miracle that we're even talking and that there's people listening to us after we finish talking. I mean, it's all... What is it here? Einstein said you can live life as if nothing is a miracle or as if everything is a miracle. And it's just all a miracle. So if I can help people sleep better, live better, feel better, give yourself permission to feel okay, even when things are tough. I mean, one of my daughters is a psychotherapist and she's like, but you have to allow people to feel, of course, to feel their feelings. It's not like you, oh, you're this bliss ninny and everything's fabulous, but it's about allowing yourself that grace of finding gratitude in something and feeling your feelings along the way. And I'm very sorry for your loss, Nancy, because I know oh. there's no words, but Every time I talk to someone, there's a lot of loss in the air. And I think this book, um, the way that you've described it, is we do have to find joy and ways to celebrate. And uh, the book, again, will be on our website. And is it on Amazon or where can they find it? It's on Amazon, Rising in the Morning, Ways to Celebrate Life. And you'll post the link. Yeah, I'll post the link. But you know, there's something, and if you go to my website, to thesleepambassador.com, and you go to Nancy's content, there's a page for rising in the morning. And you can download there, no cost, it's my gift to you, it's Josh's gift to you. It's called 21 Ways to Celebrate Life. It's been posted over the years on Huffington Post, on Ariana Huffington's Now Thrive Global. And there was one of them that came to my mind reading parts of Sherry's book, which I just got and haven't finished yet, and everybody should read it. It's very helpful, and it transcends just finance. It's about life. But years ago, I, I had a blog. It's dormant now, but it, but I'm not even going to say the name because people go to it and I have to put up a note about the book and this and that. But I, ha I wrote an article called Your Most Valuable Real Estate. And it was all about your most valuable real estate being your brain. And then a few years later, it occurred to me, I can't even remember if I went and put the sequel article, which your most valuable real estate is your heart. And I don't mean just the heartbeat. I mean, your loving, your kindness, your caring. And when and so on number 18 and 21 ways to celebrate life, I just pulled it out so I could make sure that was 18. Go to, and these are, by the way, Josh communicated these to me after he 
left this world. I did not write the 21 ways. He did. So really take people have it posted in their on their kitchen and they have it. I once was at a store and it was posted at the checkout counter. And I said, what is this doing here? And somebody had given it to the seal. And they said, we all look at this all the time. But 18 was go to your heart and make all your decisions from there. Mm. And all will be well. And I even think sometimes in financial decisions, even especially if they have to do with family or legacy and those kinds of things. And just, you know, listen to your heart. We, we need more kindness in the world. We need more caring. We all need to be cared for. We can't, we're not alone in this place. We are not alone. Well, that's beautiful, Nancy. And and as you mentioned in my book, I talk a lot about values and being true to your values and using your values to make decisions. So I think this has been wonderful. I hope people will get some tips. They'll sleep better. They'll appreciate things in life, find ways to celebrate because there's going to be dark days, but we have to take advantage of the shiny days and even a walk in the sunshine is something that we can all do. And I'm all for free. So you can sleep for free. You yeah. can feel your heart for free. You can walk and just have a good life. And remember, the sun is always behind the clouds. There's always light in the darkness. You cannot obliterate the light. And if there's too much darkness, then turn on a light. I love that. It's there. Too much darkness, turn on a light. Well, thank you, Nancy. And if you'd like to learn more about Nancy, the Sleep Ambassador, it'll be on our website. And if you'd like to learn more about how Rappaport Rikus Capital Management can help you to maximize your return on life, please visit rrcapital.com. And the website for the podcast is maximizeyourreturnonlife.com. So I wish you all better sleep happiness in your life. And thank you, Nancy, for being a wonderful guest on the Maximize Your Return on Life podcast. Thank you for having me.